Greetings. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres and I'm your host today. My guest tonight is Diana Llanos. Diana is life, mother, visionary, singer, and CEO, founder of Hub Kamal, a company dedicated to creating state-of-the-art living examples through urban design, architecture, art, and individual culture. Diana also hosts the I Induce the Real State Sustainable Living podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. She is also a student of eschatology, and eschatology is the study of systems or doctrines concerning last or final matters, matters including death and whether or not there's a life after this life. So just by that alone, you know that there's a lot going on that Diana, she's doing a whole bunch. Diana resides, was born and raised in El Ciudad de Mexico, Mexico City. Diana from Mexico City, how you doing? Are you there? Can you hear me? I don't hear you at all. Oh, very good, oh, thank you go. Miguel. Okay. I am so, you. Okay, you cannot now. hear me. Okay, wait a second. Okay, my my internet connection might might be going and coming since it's draining, but I'm gonna be here and I'm sure it's gonna be perfect. So uh, I just wanted wanted to thank you for the invite. I'm so honored, and I appreciate every moment that we can talk about God and life. So I really really appreciate this moment. Um, thank you so much. Amen. Amen, Diana. Thank you. Thank you for being here all the way from Mexico City. Electronically, of course. Electronically, of course. So, Diana, that's uh when you when you describe yourself as life, what do you what do you what are you thinking of? Like what does that mean to you when you what does that encompass? Okay, so first of all, now that you just said amen. I want to mention that the other day, the father of my son, he's a genius and he talks a lot of different languages. He has been studying a lot about that. And he was telling me the other day that the original word for amen in Arameo, I don't know how you say Arameo in English. Aramaic. Aramaic. Aramaic yeah. Uh, means. Oh, you just cut out. I'm sorry. Ooh. Complete certainty. Okay, it, it, it means complete certainty. Complete certainty, okay, gotcha. So I love it because, uh, wait a second, before, before I continue, I'm gonna try to change my Wi-Fi. If I cut out, I'll be back. Okay. All right, Diana, did it work? Yes. All right. I, I, Hope so. <laughs> we have to have that complete certainty that we were talking about. Yep, we were talking about. Uh, I said amen, and and uh, you said that you were just yeah. Talking. Amen in Aramaic, it means complete certainty. So the original word means complete certainty, and uh, I think that's very important for the question you just made to me. Uh, Jesus said, "God is life." So therefore, life is God, right? 
And that is what life is to me. And for me, we are all particles of God. And that's why, because we have been educated as separated beings, you know, like we have been conceived by our parents as this uh, person that we see. Uh, for me, we are complete particles of, of life of God this uh, force that creates um, everything and that is actually everything, everything good because God is good and that's the ultimate desire. And that is what I, what I am, what I acknowledge myself to be right now and what I want to keep acknowledging every instant. I feel um, it's also a synonym of light so therefore it's very very important for me and consciousness right so it's very important for me to keep that consciousness that awareness of what i want to acknowledge myself to be because in the order that we acknowledge with that certainty which is like the male and the female element by getting together and creating mm -hmm. life which is already created but like being conscious about what we are and that's our ability, that's also what Christ means. The original word is reason for Christos in Greek. Um, and that's very important things for me in my path. It hasn't all come uh, by eschatology. I had like this awakening before I entered eschatology, uh, which had to do a lot with experiences near to death. And uh, when I, I was all my life looking for an individual that had healed himself uh, just by pure mental means, right? And I found him and he guided me, like when he told me his story and whatever he was studying eschatology, that's when I decided like, okay, I found my path. <laughs> it seemed like a very logic path for me, but uh, because I was very curious at that moment of my life I thought like okay but I'm gonna go there when I'm 60 or something <laughs> and then I had another near-to-death experience so I was like okay no death experiences well yeah I've I've had some but yeah two main okay. ones one when I was one year old uh, yeah like the doctor was like she's not gonna be like she's not gonna leave and then another one, uh, yeah, like 2016 or something. Um, and that's when I decided basically like, okay, no, I really need, need to take my spiritual path and come back to myself because I was feeling like completely lost by then in some way. I knew it had to do with fear. I knew it had to do with ignorance, which is for me darkness, right? The opposite of light. And I knew, um, I knew there was another way. So I just had to decide to take that path and I did. So that's, uh, that's how I conceive myself. That's why I acknowledge myself to be live. That's why I present myself as live. Like the first thing, because yeah, I can be a mother. I can be the best friend of my kid. I can be, you know, like the CEO, but all of these things are going to eventually change. I haven't been that all my life, but the only thing that I will be forever, because that's the qualities of life, it's eternal, it's life. So that's what I want to know about myself.
That's pretty cool, Diana. So basically, what I'm hearing, here's what I heard. You had experiential twice. You had two experiential happenings, near death, one when you were one. So you probably don't remember that. <laughs> but the one from 2016 is, well, those things were, well, what caused you to think that there's something else to this life, right? I mean, they, they cause you to think that there's something more to just living this life and that when we're dead, that's all there is to it and there's nothing else after it. Is that? Is you know what? No. Now that you're, you're mentioning that um, thing about the one year, yeah. the thing about that, what I had at that age was uh, this disease that was, it's name, named Krupp, C-R-U-P. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, croup. So the the vocal cords get inflamed, and then you're choked basically by yourself, yeah. <laughs> by your emotions. You're like, oh, and that's so funny. I'm so sorry. Uh, but then the thing about that is maybe I don't like consciously remember that because there's pictures and everything. My dad was like, okay, yeah. I'm gonna take pictures of her just to remember her, you know. Um, but then every year I had like these. I don't know. It was like bron bronchitis, but very bronchitis. weird kind of bronchitis. Yeah. Like at least three times a year. Oh, wow. And I would have herpes in my lips. Uh, you know, it was all like uh, in Spanish is autoimmune, like cell yeah, like uh, fever blisters. Like from when you were talking about when you were one year old, like. Yeah, but I mean, like all these, this, this is has to do with self-immune. What do you, when your immune, immune system attacks yourself, in, like the herpes, right? Autoimmune disorder. Autoimmune, yeah. right? Sorry for my English. <laughs> so right. my Spanish is worse than your English. Your English is actually really good. <laughs> You're guessing my words, so I'm I'm very very proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, so it was very hard for me, you know, like to see my mom super like I remember her crying beside my bed sometimes like what do I do? It must not be easy to see your child suffering so much like her whole life, you know, I stopped having these things when I don't know when I started puberty or, you know, like adolescence or something. So it was like a lot of years of getting sick and eventually of course she was all into i don't know um veg uh she was vegetarian like she was taking us to the nat naturop naturopath doctors like just natural like doctors naturopathic yeah doctors and homeopathic doctors and all of these things right like she was trying to look for the more most natural ways of healing me because of course like if she had all these beliefs about uh like the normal medicine uh, allopath medicine would have a secondary effect so that would not be good for me and so it was a whole thing i think in my in my childhood and um yeah so i guess all of that like made me kind of lose that faith, that certainty in life, you know, like in the end, I was either giving my power, like feeling like without the medicines, I wouldn't be good. Like I had to always raise my immune system, like through good food and medicines, yeah. or 
you know, like do something to be good. Like that was my feeling. And eventually, of course, now that I'm older, I realize how much faith I lost in everything. Like, you know, like I didn't really notice till I started um, studying eschatology because it seemed like I was like this super confident being. Um, but in the end, in the way you're, you're giving yourself to the world and you're kind of, at least me, I was kind of feeling incapable in some way. And I've been having to get that back, you know, like I've been having to get my abilities and develop them um, gradually to actually like feel alive and feel empowered and feel loved. Um, I guess it all has to do a lot with love uh, because that's always the way and now I know it but it's hard to actually love in a good way like sometimes I don't know in some years I started studying transpersonal therapies and all these uh, things because uh, when I started the relationship with the father of my son when I was I was 27 years old um, and it was a very unhealthy uh, relationship and that's when I think I sink or I sank like deeply in my shadows and that's when I like touched the the bottom of the ocean and I was like okay now I really need to heal myself like, like from the root you know um so yeah I give I, I I guess life gives us also the opportunity of being more and more conscious and it takes a lot of courage that's what I've seen. I think it's not something that's needed. Like sometimes it's really good just to take the medicine when you just believe in the medicine, right? When you just like think the medicine is gonna be good for you, that's enough. Because then you're just like flowing with everything and everything's good and that's the essence of life in the end. But when you've lost the, the, the faith in medicine and you've lost the faith in doctors and you go to one doctor and the other and no one, no one can give you a real like diagnosis or they tell you like, no, what you have is gonna be chronic or what you have is uncurable. That's when you start wondering, okay, is that real? Is that the only way? Are they yeah, the can I change wrong? something, right? Like, why do Christians heal themselves like miracle, miraculously? And uh, other paths also, you know, shamanism we have here in Mexico, we're full of like shamans and medicine men and women and like men and women. And, you know, like we're full of all these like mysticism. So I think there was more to explore. And that's why I actually like felt that I needed to explore this path. It's pretty cool, Diana. It's pretty cool. I think it's really cool that you went out and sought education on it too. It's like you're living life, but you're also like, I need to research this. And you went to an educational institution to study it. And I don't know, I've, I've done something similar. I went and got a degree in Christian apologetics because I wanted to know more. It's like when, and, and I was doing it on my own before that, but uh, it, was, it was a little bit different. The pluses and minuses of getting a degree always exist, right? It's like you go in there, you really just want to learn, but then you also have to fit yourself into the requirements of each assignment with 
X number of sources, X number of this type sources, this many pages, this many, all that and that. That stuff gets annoying, you know, but getting into the content and the and the of what you're trying to learn, that's really why people are there, right? Mm -hmm. So that is pretty cool. And uh so the near-death experience that you had. So wait, um, let us go back. So uh how did it go? Like, like your mother was taking all these doctors, you're a teenager, you're getting bronchitis two, three times a year. And what happened? Yeah, so I grew up as a normal kid, but then when I was in high school, I started taking hallucinogens actually. Okay. I didn't smoke okay. any cannabis by then. I, like I didn't it. even drink. I was not a drinker. Mushrooms or LSD or? LSD. LSD. I mean, eventually I took, of course, mushrooms and I tried opium and I tried MDMA was like my favorite, like, you know, like, because it makes you feel all this love, you know, it's all this serotonin. Once you've taken it, like you, your view of life always like never goes back, you know, you're always like, I don't know, there's this movie that gives the feeling of how it is to try the first time MDMA. What movie is that? I cannot remember, but, but I'm going to try to remember. It's a very, very good movie. And um, and I'm going to give it, maybe you can leave the link in, in okay, the yeah. interview. But uh, so, yeah, I started having those trips. And of course, my I before that, I was talking to my friends. They were taking all these mushrooms and everything. And they were always like, hey, Diana, we don't understand why you're so mystical if you don't take anything. And I was like, I don't understand it either. You know, I just enjoy these talks with you guys. I, I used to not like reading books because I had this idea that I wanted to have my own ideas and I didn't want to be like actually induced by any ideas. You know, for me, reading was like kind of like getting that knowledge and believing. And even my friends were telling me, no, it's just like debating with the author. You know, you don't have to take the ideas. But I felt super vulnerable to everything that I was reading. So I normally wouldn't like reading. I, I was reading very few books um, consciously. And uh, so then when my mind started opening, I knew, of course, my ideas, it's all your parents and your family and your environment, even if you don't read books or watch movies because I didn't watch TV that much either. Uh, but you're, you're full with all these ideas. So I started acknowledging everything that I was like seeing and hearing and everything. And eventually when I went out of high school, I was like kind of depressed because I was not like really inspired by anything. I was like, what career am I gonna choose? Like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life. Oh, I can relate. <laughs> and I think many, many people can. I actually remember yeah. in elementary school being given a uh, a little quiz exam that was supposed to tell me what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I remember, I remember, I'm even in elementary school. I was like, I don't believe this. I just don't believe it. I, I just never bought it. So it's no, kind of interesting because I, the way you said, the way you said uh, you, you felt after high school, you're kind of like, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. I definitely was there as well. Yes. I think and I guess a lot of people, I mean, my company actually comes from there. The inspiration I got when I started trying hallucinogens, then I, I was DJing at that time, but I knew I didn't want to DJ. Doing it all, dying. I know. Dying, dancing, singing. 
<laughs> I know, but I come from a, a musician's family. So I'm kind of, kind of the black sheep of the family because I was always kind of refusing. Music. music. <laughs> yeah, I was just into electronic music. <laughs> and um, so eventually, like I was what I was seeing this Pollock and Fall City and I just went to Ibiza to live and I started traveling and Ibiza gave me a lot of inspiration in many ways because it's full of art. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of like people that travels around the world. So they have a lot of knowledge, you know, um, like the hippies, the German hippies came to the island in the 60s and they bought a lot of the island. And uh, they have, they had this vision of oneness. So the island is like, it has a lot of like super, how can I say, like empowering uh, legends, you know, like, for example, there's no poisonous animals in Ibiza. So there's legends about how the pharaohs would have like, they, they would take sand from Ibiza to put, put, the, put it around the pharaohs, you know, so no, nothing comes in but you can feel that energy you know it's like a very pure energy we used to have like this uh instant karma we used to, to call it like where if you i don't know you were in the highway and you for any reason would like go in front of a car very quickly you were like oh sorry sorry and just after that like the energy would come back to you and then a car the same color would just get in front of you you know like and everybody it was not just me. It's something that you just know in Ibiza. Like. You cut out for a quick second there, Diana. I did it back. Okay, am I back? Okay. So you're saying in, in Ibiza, you, it, it's, uh, in Ibiza, it was a bit easier to sense that energy is what you're saying. Yeah, in Ibiza, there's this instant karma that everybody, everybody knows about it. So I don't know if you can hear a lot the rain. Is it nope. good? You're good. You're good. You're good. Okay, okay perfect. So eventually I came back to Mexico. Um, uh, I continued my life. Uh, I was coming and going till there was this moment where I had my son. And I was like kind of desperate because I was in this unhealthy relationship. I was a single mother. I was breastfeeding full time and I was having to take care like, you know, emotionally, economically in all, every sense of me and my son, mm -hmm. right? And that's when you realize like you have to be good, you know, like you have to be good to be able to guide this life, right? And then like one day I just had this uh, vision of responsibility through a, uh, like a very amazing experience that I had through the gifting circles in the gifting economy. Like a lot of people says it's a fraud and it's like a pyramidal um, scheme. And I don't know if you have heard about it, the gifting circle. I haven't heard it actually. Okay. So it's very famous around the world because eventually they, they, dissolve and then some of them stay alive and they come together and then they dissolve and so it's a system where there's a I don't know a, an individual in the center of the circle that receives gifts of money from other individuals right okay. the lineage that I was invited to 
is a very spiritual lineage. It has spiritual basis, right? That a lot of people say like, oh, that's bullshit. Oh, that's just to make the fraud and whatever. But for me, it was a very different experience because I was in this like troubled uh, moment of my life. And then one day I went out, out to the terrace of my house and I just shouted to the moon like, hey, universe, please send me all the money. I need to nurture my kid like in the best way possible, right? I was like with no shame, with like, I was just shouting it. But this meant a lot to me because in my family, like the money is not very well seen, you know, like money was at that time, like a sign of disease, a sign of divorce, a sign of problems, a sign of, you know, like money was equal to all of those things, right? So I was kind of breaking those patterns in that moment. I was just like, you know, like I'm going to shout it and I'm going to ask for it because I'm sick of like living in the day, you know, like, I don't know how you call it, but day to day, day to day. Yeah. Like always having the money for the day, but not more, you know? Yeah. Um, so two days after I was invited to these circles, my, my sister calls and she says like, Hey, do you want a gift? Uh, $500 and then receive eight times that. And I was like, yes, for sure. <laughs> because I, I knew I had asked deal. for it. It sounds like a pretty good deal. <laughs> it sounds like, a, but then I hung up the phone and I was like, I hope I'm not in Amway. <laughs> they send you a box of products to sell. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay. No, but truly, I knew that I had created that invite. I completely knew because it was very, it was very, I just knew it. I, I, I asked for it. It came back to me and I said, yes. And then of course, like it was, we had to make like this weekly call with these women around the, the world. And of course it, it works like a network. You have to invite two uh, friends to come in and gift also. And then you go like, into the circle till you get to the center of the circle, right? And then you get gifted. That's how you work your way through the circle. Okay. So it's not it's not as easy as it sounds, you know? It's not like you gift and then you, sometimes you, you get back, sometimes you don't. It's like the first um, lesson is actually to gift. Okay. And that's the thing a lot of people don't really understand or don't communicate well and make promises to their friends. And then that's when the problems come. But I did get the, the message very well. Like the invitation was very clear, like you're going to gift it. And then maybe it comes back, maybe not, but you're, her, you're helping a, a woman. In this case, it was a women's circle. Uh, so I completely gave it, you know, I was like, yes, sure. And then it was amazing because I had this, one hour call with women around the world that were in my circle. And we, we would like tell each other like what we were living and kind of have a little therapy, you know, like we would create our circle and talk. And I was so much needing that contention, you know, like that, like someone to hold the space for me. Yeah. That, and it was so amazing to see every week the synchronicity of, all these women telling their stories and living kind of the same things. And I started acknowledging how I, I was at, attracting all these people into my life. I was attracting all these experiences. I was attracting this healing towards me. 
it wasn't it couldn't be other way because we were all resonating in the same vibration we were all having similar stories with or without kids we were all feeling kind of the same way we were all feeling so we would process a lot and this uh lasted for like four years wow and it was amazing i can tell you like when i invited my friends i was truly inviting them i was like there was no interest in the in the money because we didn't even like understood completely how it worked when I invited my friends I was just like I mean this amazing like circle like we're gifting each other money we're listening to each other's we are just you know like I, I was passing the message and so of course a lot of my friends came in and uh, eventually in Mexico there was this movement a very big movement that was uh, kind of similar but it was was a very little gift you know it was like $50 gift or something and uh so and it was presential circles like you you would go and gift the this other individual like in, in physical and give him a her or him a present and it was the money and so I was invited to the small ones and then I was invited to bigger ones like $1,440 and I entered a lot of circles and in one of them, uh, because I started telling my story, so it started becoming very popular. So I started becoming kind of a public figure. And eventually my lineage grew like more than 8,000 women. But this, uh, before I entered this last one, I had this other LSD trip. And I went to this um, like sacred mountain here in Mexico. And I, in that trip, I entered and there was this, like, they call it the vi vagina of the mountain. I, I never really had this thing about praying or making rituals or I was completely like trying to find a path that would bring the power to me and to each individual, not to... Um, I don't know, to things, to, to jewelry or to stones or to yeah. anything. You know, I was trying to find myself. So I, I just went to there and I started singing. And I didn't know that the guardian of the mountain was listening to me. So when I, I stopped singing, he came to me and he said, like, thank you so much. Uh, the mountain gives you this. And he gave me a stone from the altar in the vagina of, the, of, of this mountain right mm -hmm. and uh so then that day it was when i came back to the city and i was like understanding so many things that the message that's when the message started growing and growing and growing and growing so this was a very important uh experience for me because all the things that i'm learning in eschatology that's when i grounded them uh without any method without anything I just knew these things and this is what I was telling the women um, but of course there was a moment where I allowed it the fear in because the government or the banks started noticing that we were uh, you know like doing these circles because they started getting big and the women started paying their debts in the bank so we all tax money on top of it they want to get their yes. cut that's basically what it boils down to they want to get their cut <laughs> they started sending us sending us invitations like to get like these bank credits of the exact amount that that we would receive in the circle 
And because we were so many, one day, for example, what one of the women came to the meeting and she said, like, my, my son works in this bank. And he told me that they delivered these lists with the names of all the women that are in the women's circle. Ah. And then they started paying the campaign to the TV to actually like uh, say like these circles are fraud, like don't get in them. Like if you know any women that that's inside the circles, just uh, call this number and uh, give her in, you know, I don't know how you say that. So of course, a lot of women started like entering into the fear <laughs> uh, I don't know, energy. And because I felt a lot of uh, responsibility too, I started fearing too in some way, you know, like I think I allowed this fear to come in. So eventually, like I'm trying to make the long story short, but so eventually um, these circles for me, it was all about empowering oneself, right? It was all this process about gifting and then knowing how to communicate from the heart because for me you had to invite the women from the heart like it was really an invitation not like selling a product or not like because actually the circles what it gives you the opportunities to take out the products and exactly as my podcast says like see what's beyond right so now it's you you are kind of the product like opening yourself to receive you know this amount of money without normally when a company like sells you a product you get excited about the product and then you want to buy it. So you give all your money, but you have this product, right? You, you're like, yeah, yeah, I got it. And then the emotion, they know they have to catch you in the moment where you have the emotion. If the emotion passes, like probably you won't buy the product. So that's why you go into Saturn. There's this all super happy music. Let's buy, let's buy, let's buy. Yeah, take it home, take it oh, home. Oh, advertisers have gotten good. They are, they have got, they are pros. They know how to try to get your attention. That's for sure. Yeah, of course. And it's all these FOMO, like, take it now, you know, take it oh, now. Yeah. You don't take it now, you probably won't take it. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, that that is it. That, that There's a ton of that going on right now. Yes, but what about, so this is what the message I was telling the, the, the girls, you know, like the women, like what about taking that emotion and building yourself up continuously for the rest of your life, like opening yourself to okay, receive. Okay, so wait, I, wanna, I, gotta, I gotta clarify. You said take that emotion. Now, I don't think you're talking about the emotion of fear. I think- No, excitement about, for bad. So, okay, say it again. I you're mean, talking about what now? like the exciting okay. the exact uh, exact excitement of buying a product okay so you're saying the emotion that somebody gets from purchasing a product it's not from purchasing it's from valuing a product yeah, okay. okay so oh, okay okay so, so I'm, I'm gonna make sure i'm tracking too so somebody sees value in a product and that gives them some type of emotional bump up right and mm -hmm. you're telling them instead of going out and getting that product, you're saying, hold on to that energy. Is that mm -hmm. it? Yeah. Okay. All right. So go from there. No, it's, it, it's not hold on to it. It's instead of valuing a product, it's yeah. value yourself. Okay. Now, okay. Now, now I got a better clear. And get that emotion about yourself. That is cool. I like that. I like that a lot because that flies in the face of materialism really i mean when people think that their value is is based on 
their material possessions, which includes dollars and cents, that stuff will leave. You can't take any of it with you when you die. And and I and I I don't want to I don't want to talk too much, but I get what you're saying, and that's pretty cool. So you're saying value yourself more than you value material possessions. Yes, pretty much it. And I think the 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 word that I would use currently is admire, admire yourself, which is admire your qualities, which is the qualities of God or life, because materialism or matter is even the body. Like sometimes we don't consider that the body is part of a materialism or a materialist materialistic way of life, but it is a big problem to actually value ourselves when we don't like how we look, when we don't like how we hear ourselves, how, how we talk, how we express what we feel. And you know what? That stuff starts on kids so early. It's real. I got three young guys and I see it wanting to creep in on them and it's horrible. You know what I mean? It's like people do it. We do it to each other because we're human and we're fallen and we get hurt and all that crap happens. Right. But you're right. You're absolutely right. So I get what you're hitting on. You're saying through this path, you're saying all these experiences, regardless of what people have said about them negatively, they brought you to a place where you recognize that we're to be valuing people more than things. Am I, am, am I, am I, am I on with that? Am, yeah. And not, yeah, you're on in some way. If I want to be accurate, no, ahead, I would, say, yeah. I would say uh, not value people, but value life. Okay. Which okay. is that essence that is, each it individual personal life <laughs> yeah and but yeah it's 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 good to for me it's and then of course now i know why i was i was saying that i didn't have the exact method or or the exact reasons why this is accurate why this is honest with god why this is truthful like unbreakable or real or eternal but i just knew it and i was telling this to the women like the moment you start valuing yourself being grateful with yourself all the abundance starts coming either from the circle or not but you just start living you you just start feeling happy that's the key of happiness so you said something really interesting and I think it really flies in the face of what a lot of people believe about God. And that is, I think a lot of people believe that the God of Judeo-Christianity is against them. Like always pointing a finger at all their failures, always saying you haven't, and that's the perspective of it. And, and, you know, I worked for the U.S. Coast Guard for over 20 years and we dealt with hurricanes all the time right? Natural disasters, right? Earthquakes, hurricanes, all that stuff. And when it comes to, so if you're traveling, you're going down to Cancun or, or uh, where's the other place I went to on the, on the West Coast? It was uh, 
Manzanillo. Manzanillo oh. and the Pacific Coast, right? I've been yes. there a few times, a couple times. And uh, a hurricane happens, right? And hotel, airport, airport, airplane, airport, all say it's an act of God that has done this to us human beings. And that's why I can't give you your money back for your hotels or your tickets because God did it to you. So this is what I'm getting at is that your perspective, it really sounds like metanoia in Greek means is repent, right? But it doesn't mean to say you're sorry. It means to change your mind about the way God thinks of you. Instead of thinking that he's angry at you and trying to thump you on the head for every misstep, every little misstep you take, it's no, he actually loves you. And those missteps, if you come to him and say, hey, I know you know all about it. He's like, I do know about it. And I still love you. And that is a pretty, that, that, is, that is it, Diana. That is changing your mind, literally. So that's cool. I mean, I, I couldn't help but, but, but to uh, pull that out of what you just said. And because and, I think a lot of people do, I think a lot of Christians believe that God is just waiting to thump them for any little misstep. And they are so wrapped, they are wrapped so tightly. Yeah that they're consumed with fear. And that's what it boils down to, fear of displeasing God because of a misstep. And here's the thing, we're all gonna misstep. Every day of our lives, many times a day we're gonna misstep. The severity of those missteps vary. So I apologize, Diana, but I thought that was really cool because in that, in that short amount of time, you, actually described metanoia. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Right, no, you know, it's amazing. Everything that you say is just perfect. It's that what you just said is, I think, the key of eschatology, for example. Um, what the, the branch of eschatology or the, the, how do you call it? Like there, I, I've heard like there's different kind of eschatologies because it's a biblical word. To be honest, I have studied the Bible very little, even though I was in a Catholic like school several times. <laughs> but um, yeah, it has to do with the apocalypse and all of this, right? The study of, of the last things. Yeah. And times. The, the version of eschatology that I study is William Walters. Um, and for me, of course, what I've seen there is this logic that I still, it's not that I believe in it. It's all about reasoning. And that's what I love about it. It's just a method to access truth. And what I call truth is everything that will be, will be eternally alive, let's say, right? So what that is, is of course, forgiveness. Mm, that's a big one. It's the fact that either you believe or not in God, you are alive and you have the power of, as you just said right now, changing your mind. So either like, I never want to get in fights because I have like a lot of religious friends or I have, I think I have religious friends in the way they believe in all these therapies, like, uh, I don't know, new age therapies, you know, pranic healing, um, 
Reiki, uh, stones, whatever, you know, like all kinds of different transpersonal therapies, like everything that has to do with matter, with believing that there is a, an outer God and believing that there might be a God or an energy that can affect you. And what you just said is the key of, of my apprenticeship or, or what I'm learning right now is to actually acknowledge that only myself through my own way of thinking and my convictions or that certainty that we were talking about can affect myself. But I cannot affect anybody else because everybody thinks for themselves. You can't argue so. somebody into believing something. And that's for, I mean... I think that is on full display of any pundit, political pundit program on the internet anywhere. You just yes. arguing and fighting and it, you don't see anything getting closer together. You really don't. You see it actually going further apart. And mm -hmm. there's a difference between arguing and talking. Even if, I mean, even if even if voices get raised yeah. a little bit but there's still respect and, and things are staying in control don't worry about it i got three little kids my my, my mother-in-law is getting them to bed my wife was at a business meeting so I, I was hearing stuff in the back of the rooms of my house don't worry diana everybody you i can see diana because we're doing video and we do this on a video thing but we only publish the audio you know it's always fun doing these podcasts um so it's pretty cool diana this, this story you're telling me. And I want to ask you how that led you to the Iron Dude or the uh, uh, Hub Kamal. The no, exactly. Yeah. Let's, let's go, let's go to how that inspired you to work with architecture, art, and living. And what, well, that, what, what the mission of your, of your company is. Yes, exactly what I was just saying. And actually, this company came um, as I induced the real estate first, because it's exactly that message of nobody can induce me if I don't think so. And if I am thinking and being convinced of truth, which is equal to loving, then all forms of life can actually feel that love. And that's, for me, the real ecology. That's the real uh, knowledge of the self, of, of, of our shell, uh, shell or our, you know, like... Our body, basically. House, our, yeah, our life, our, yeah, our body, our physical everything. Body. Yes. This physical, body, this physical body will die. You know this physical mean? body, yeah, for me... Now I, I learned that we will stop perceiving it as we transcend our consciousness to other states of mind. But the body doesn't, doesn't die because it, doesn't, it is not life. It's just a reflection of what I... It's like a, if, if I was projecting a movie, and this is what, as I conceive myself right now because of the state of mind I am living in. Yeah. But certainly there's, for example, you can see here in Mexico, the shamans, the, the real like shamans, or they call themselves lujos, they will change their, their body, their bodily structure, and they will be like balls of fire. This is like 
they can do this. You know, this is very, very known here in Mexico. There's all these crazy things happening of people oh, raising my, my, their awareness. And I apologize. I'm familiar with some of it. So I do want you to talk a little bit about it. So that way we can get a little bit of understanding of, of how much more common it is outside of the U.S. and in, in Mexico. Because I know it's common in a lot of countries. And yes. It is. It's very common in a lot of countries. People have been seeking people have been seeking purpose, meaning, and destiny since the fall of creation. Yes. And yes, this is ancestral knowledge. Yeah. So and this is this is that's cool is that this is what I find really cool. This is where I was like, wow, eschatology, that is that is uh, you know, that's a that's a discipline of study that completely says there is something else after this life. Actually, there is what, okay, go ahead. Aha, uh -huh. what eschatology tries to prove, the method of eschatology, because maybe if somebody is hearing this podcast and it's hearing me talk, I'm talking a lot, a lot from myself, right? From my own knowledge. Yeah. So if they go to eschatology and they read what it is, they will probably say, like, oh, she didn't mention these and these and these, right? So I just want to say that because I'm, I'm talking of a lot of different things of how I've gotten to this point of my life where I completely don't doubt about the method of eschatology. And so the purpose of the eschatology method is to prove that death is not real, that we can actually decide whether we transcend or not. Transcend to where? Like, what transcend to another state of mind so that is i wouldn't talk a lot about that because okay. i think that's knowledge that we have to prove it's like it's like doing experiments all the time yeah so if we have for example now you were talking about this knowledge being yeah like very very old or antique right yeah it comes from the alchemists the yeah, celtic yeah. cultures the sumerian cultures yeah. the all the books like the Torah, the, the uh, Bible, the, um, uh, I forgot the other sacred, Grand. the Quran. They all talk about the same. They all talk about the same. It's just different interpretations. It's just different. They all talk about God, about Allah, Allah about, about wholeness, about one being, about eternal life, about consciousness about the divine mind about you know like one power so when we start using our reason and start using this knowledge instead of just reading it and believing in it if when we start trying it that's when we like our reason starts awakening and then you know you know because you see it expressed your body changes your voice changes your experience changes your friends changes your economic situation changes, your everything changes. Suddenly you're, you're more and more awakening, awaken, you're, you're feeling happy more and more. And the more you actually acknowledge it and the more you are grateful for it and the more it's kind of simple in the end. Right. But we are like, <laughs> we're trying like to, I don't know, like discover, but you know, like the dollar bills, they have so much, like a lot of weird stuff going on in that dollar bill. Yeah, <laughs> but all, dollar this, bill. <laughs> all this comes from the alchemists. It's sacred information. It has been misused because of the ignorance of the people 
that has interpreted all this knowledge because they were fearing that somebody could use it wrongly. Absolutely. Thanks. But truth cannot be used wrongly. Knowledge cannot be used wrongly because knowledge is light. Knowledge is consciousness. And when you're in that awareness of what you really are, that you are a particle of God, and that means you're eternal, you're invisible, you're good, because God is good, and that's the that's one of uh, of the. It's not a judgment. It's not a. I don't know how you say it in English. It's not like there's this, and this is a phrase that is very used in eschatology. Uh, Shakespeare, there is no good or bad, birth, but thinking makes it so. But I when I say good, sorry. No, no, it's all right. I get what you're saying. So here, let me let me see let me see if this. Because there's a scripture where Jesus is saying, uh, I can't, I, I'm horrible with, with chapters and verses. I am, you know, some people spout that stuff off like, and I'm kind of like, yeah, but you got no love when you say it. <laughs> you sound like you're trying to beat me over the head with a scripture. That's what you sound like. <laughs> Even though I can write a lot of stuff up. So here's what I was saying. And that was, uh, oh man, I lost it with that joke. Help me, Diana, help me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was saying about the, the there's no good or bad, That's but right. the okay, thinking so, makes it so. So Jesus did not come to make good pe or bad people good. He made to came he made he came to make dead people live. And how does that? That's a scripture that 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 is that is key to that is, it's one of the keys to understanding the gospel. What do you think about that one? Is that kind of is that is that in line with what you're saying, or is it similar? In other words, good and bad. A lot of people can present themselves as good. They get they you know they do X, Y, and Z, and people hold that stuff into esteem, like oh they're a good person. And you see somebody else over here who doesn't do those things. They do things that are actually contrary to what the other person does, and that person is labeled bad. And what Jesus was saying is that those two people are both dead without being made alive in Christ. So I'm not sure if that's what you're saying or if, if it's something similar to it. Is, yeah, I would have to clear that up because it's actually, I do understand that phrase mm -hmm. and I could say I understand it. But it can be confusing if we say it on that way, because there is no death, people. Like, there is no dead people. There's consciousness that might be sleeping. Oh, you cut out a little bit, Diana. You froze for but a second. They were, okay, so no, hey, Diana, uh, you cut out. You said there is consciousness that may be slipping and go. Uh -huh, but they cannot be dead. Okay. Because if they were dead, they wouldn't, for example, there is this reasoning that I love, you know, like just deducing these truths, right? So there's this, for example, okay, for the beings that believe that everything came out of darkness or of no space and time or whatever you can, you want to call it like of nothingness, right? So how can consciousness acknowledge there is a nothingness or how can nothingness acknowledge that there is a consciousness if nothingness is nothingness? 
there has to be a consciousness to acknowledge there is darkness or unconsciousness. So if we know that, that there is nothingness, that's because there was consciousness to see it. To assess so, it. To assess it. To understand. To assess it. Okay. Yes. Thank you for the correction. That's right. No, so, no, I get what you're saying. I was just, I was just saying like, you, something has to be aware of what's going on in order for it to understand. Yes. So this very simple thing, I, I couldn't see it clearly before. I was like, yeah, like I thought this nothingness or this darkness or this evilness or <laughs> I don't know how you say that had any power, like had power. So I was afraid of going into, I don't know, those kind of states. But then when I acknowledge this little detail, like, no, there cannot be that without the consciousness. That's very different because then you acknowledge that you are the consciousness being aware of that nothingness and you are the only real power. If you just turn your attention to another uh, direction, that nothingness doesn't even exist. So I, I, I got, I'm, I'm seeing parallels with scripture again here, Diane. <laughs> free will. You're completely describing free will. We have the choice to go and make decisions on our own with what we do with our lives and how we present ourselves in this life, what we believe about this life mm -hmm. and how we view it and how we walk it out. Yes. Like that is another quality of uh, another ability of God of life. And that is an inherent ability of us. So I think I understand us. what you're saying when you say that there is no death. I get what you're saying. And and here's why I think that. And here's why I understand what you're saying. Because I know in Genesis, when it was written, it, it was so Lucifer's in the garden. And he's talking with Eve and Adam there because Adam's right there next to her, right? There's no like, because she turned and gave the fruit to him. And he says, you, God, you're, you're, God knows that you'll be like him if you eat this. And that was the trick because they were already like God. They're made in his image. The, the deceit was to get them to believe that they were not made in his image and to break the only one there was out of the whole world, there was only one tree, all the other trees, as much as you want, as often as you want. But that one, knowledge of good and evil, that was the, that was the mechanism to put free will in place. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty impressive. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's like, it's pretty cool to hear you talk about it and then go, wow, you're really talking about free will. And this, yes. is where, this is where I think a lot of people almost feel like they're determined. Like, like they see their life and say, you know what? The imagination that I have for my direction for the rest of my life, it ain't going to change. Mm -hmm. It's going to stay the same. So I better just get used to it and try to make myself smile when I can. I think too many people live like that. I think too many people live like that. And I think it's really, the root of it is, is boils down to what they believe about how God thinks of them. Mm -hmm. 
whether or not he's waiting to thump them on the head or like you were saying, you're saying, you know what? That's not the way he is. He does not, he's not walking around trying to just whack you on the head every time and, and hit you with some bad stuff. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm that, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Diana, but I, I can pick up some very distinct parallels between what you're saying and the jail in the Christian Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. Yes, actually, I mean, William Walter, his father was a pastor. Okay. I'm Christian science. I'm not familiar with William Walter. I've heard, I think I've heard the name and I know we, we've communicated and you told me the name, but go ahead. I, I don't think a lot of people knows him. Like he's not into like announcing himself like massively. He was more into teaching one-to-one. Actually, the, the teachings of eschatology are normally from a teacher that has proven a lot, demonstrate, demonstrated a lot because it's all about experimenting with truth. Um, so it's all based on uh, Mrs. Eddie's, uh, Eddie, Mrs. Eddie Baker. Oh, my dog is so afraid of the, sorry if you hear that, but <laughs> he's so afraid of the, of the rain. So um, it's, it's all based in the biblical, of course, teachings. M- Mrs. Baker Eddie, she studied the Bible. She created the Christian science. And she deduced all this knowledge. So what William Walter did was when he had this like disease, he was dying. So these, uh, I don't know, they sent her, him uh, a lady and she was guiding him through, with the Bible to heal himself. So he was praying to God for 24 hours and he healed himself. And then he started wondering, okay, so if it was me praying, God wouldn't change his destiny because God is, you know, like God is not doing favors to people that doesn't pray. So God is like completely determined, completely, even though it's infinite and there's everything good in in God. And he said, like, if God is good and God is live, how can God punish someone? There's something going on here. So if I had to sit down and pray for 24 hours, who healed myself? Was it me or was it God or is it that I am God? And that's how he started studying this. And then he started doing his own experiments and he was like, okay, so now I'm going to heal from this other disease. I think he was like not seeing very good. So he decided to heal his sight. And instead of of praying to God, he started doing the I am, right? Like I am God, I am life for several hours till he healed. And then he started trying to do more and more experiments, healing, uh, healing his son and healing, I don't know, other things in himself. And eventually he decided to write the books about how he discovered uh, that he was God and we all are. And he explains and he clears out what evil is for real. And for him, uh, evil is just ignorance. It's just this thing that you were saying before about God is not a power that's just there to punish you when you're a bad person. He was like, okay, I discovered that when I make a mistake in my thought, I get it back immediately. It reflects in my in my whole experience and in my body, I get I don't know if I get resentful or I, I am hating constantly, I will get cancer. If I, I don't see perfection in everything, like my side will be not good. If I, or, you know, the opposite, if I'm 
all about perfectionism, for example, right? There, he started noticing like, okay, if we're here, then it's the same like you get this, right? Uh, so it's for me, it's very practical and very simple, and that's the 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 thing about reason, right? So when when we talk about like Christ was here to I don't know show you how to live. How did you say it? Like uh, awaken the dead. That's what you said. So uh, I wasn't awakening the dead. It was uh, actually that's what I ask you about. It was it was uh, how do you what do you, what when it comes to the Messiah, Jesus. What do you believe about him? Yeah, so for me, it's just the reason that's living in within all of us. So we, as so-called human beings, mm -hmm. um, which are actually live, um, we have the ability of reasoning, and that's Christ. And that's the difference in between us and other forms of life, which might be animals and plants and minerals and everything, right? So there's also this beautiful phrase that says like, consciousness is like, it was sleeping in, I think in plants and uh, in us it's awakened. Like the reason in us is awakened and we have it to use it. And we, that is a, a big responsibility, I feel, you know, like our responsibility in this state of mind, which for me, death, what we call death, is just a state of mind. And therefore, I don't believe there is another life after this one, because there's just one life, one eternal life with different states, states of consciousness. Um, so, yeah, Christ is that ability that we have naturally and that responsibility that we have which is responsibility for me is the response that we give to our abilities the abilities that we were born with and i love to see how reason works because if you actually start doubting for it's natural you know like you have to question yourself like so is God really good? Is life really good? Is that my ultimate desire? Because what if, I don't know, um, I don't know, what if I just wanna kill myself? And then you start observing and you see, okay, yeah, every friend that I've had that killed himself wanted to just rest in peace because they were annoyed with these troubles they were having. They were overwhelmed. They didn't feel capable. They didn't know the truth about themselves. They didn't know how to solve their own problems, but I had always heard from my friends and the gurus and, you know, like Dalai Lama and uh, Buddhists and everywhere, like life is eternal, like we are free beings. There's always, the, there, these truths are everywhere, but just people like don't wanna use them because I, now I know why, because it's, sometimes it's difficult to let go the mistake. And what I'm calling the, the mistake is everything that we have learned since we were born. Because we were born, and you can also, you can observe that in life, right? Like the natural thing is for babies to be born alive. Yeah, there might be babies that are born dead, born. But, or so-called dead, but it's not the natural thing. 
there was something going on there and we know that. I'm not sure if you froze for a second or not. <laughs> and evil. Hope you're not frozen. Okay. No, I, I'm here. Okay. No, good. I'm here. So, but we still believe that good and evil are like two powers. Like we we have this dual mind. Okay, in this so let me ask you mind. About that's that. let me yeah. ask you about that. The question of sin and forgiveness. Because we talked, I heard you say forgiveness earlier. So when I talk about sin and forgiveness, what do you believe about those two things? It's my hardest uh, lesson, forgiveness. So forgiveness, for me, it's always, you always have to forgive yourself. There's nothing else to forgive. You always have to forgive yourself for thinking and being convinced of the things that you are thinking and being convinced of. And that's where, for example, the sin, which is just uh, an error, the, the sin for me is the same as error of thought, ignorance. And so then when we acknowledge truth, when we, oh, okay, God is this, right? So if God is good and God is life, how come there be evil? So evil just lives in my mind. If I decide to be convinced, absolutely convinced and certain that the only real thing is good, that's the only thing I'm gonna express in my life. And there's several, uh, several um, examples that I can give about this. So of course, this comes through our senses of what we hear, we touch, we see, we taste. Uh, and this is, uh, Eva y Adán, uh, Aidan, uh, how do you call them in English? Eve and Eve and. Uh, oh, okay. Uh -huh. All right. Adam and Eve. Uh, so that's the illusion that we all fall into. The illusion that what we are seeing, what we are hearing, what we are tasting is real. And when we actually know the truth and we use our reasoning, we completely change those experiences. Okay, so and the truth, what is the truth that you're speaking of? The truth is just the truths we know, the facts we know about, for example, God, right? Or life, which is, for example, for life is the only, um, how can I say this in English? Um, so the, the, the life is distinctive, distinctively individual which means it's completely inseparable from good it's like you cannot divide life like it's just one essence living within everything uh, and it's <laughs> and it's continuously progressing that is another fact about life for example you cannot if somebody tries to tell me that that is not a truth, he has to prove it to me that, that we are not always progressing. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, not, not everybody does. I mean, it's like we have free will and that's where and that's where it's like, ideally, we want to be 
improving, right? We want to be improving in some aspect of something. We want to be able to say we did something and, and yes, I, I improved my life in this area. Is that what you're speaking of? Yes. Like, uh, for example, every lesson in life, every so-called bad experience will leave you something good. Oh, I, okay. Yes. Right? I, so, so you're always learning. Like life is always evolving. We are always, for example, if now we have COVID, we are already um, our, we as human beings, we conceive it in this way. Our bodies are already making the defenses we need. Uh, our immune system is already creating the things we need to survive, right? Like cockroaches, right? Like <laughs> we are already like seeing how we're gonna like Life is always seeing because it's always self-sufficient. That's another truth, for example. Life is self-sufficient. How can we prove this? Because we can observe it in nature. All the ecosystems, every, every thing you see in life is self-sustained. Everything. Even if you think like, okay, now the earth is super polluted and like we're all going to die. No. There's always going to be life. There's always going to be life. This is a truth, for example. Nobody can tell me that life is going to end. Even if we stop acknowledging ourselves because of our own ignorance and we go to another state of, of mind, life will continue. So this is, for example, this is truth. Okay. This is something that will not change with time. You can know this now. You can know this 10 million years after if you believe in time or whatever, and 10 million years before. You could, you could still see this about life. So this is the truth. So we were talked about forgiveness and, and you're saying that we do need to forgive each, ourselves. And I agree with you because I think a lot of people, we hang on to a stuff, whether it's like, and this is where, this is where, this is where I, I don't see the laws of karma being, I just don't agree with them. It's like, okay, I just, I, well, I don't want to get into that, but. No, uh, no, I, but it's very interesting. We can get in, into that. Well, I, well, there's a couple other topics I want to talk to you too, because we'll tie them into this, but um So when you're talking about forgiveness and that we are to forgive ourselves, what about forgiveness of others? So the other is just your next thought. Well, I mean, people, I mean like people, like, like somebody yeah. hurt you or your family, somebody hurt you, somebody, something, there was an injustice done to you or your family or a loved one. And Forgiveness is on your mind, whether you should do it or not. What, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what do, you, what do you believe about that? Yeah, so this is what I was telling you. The others are just your next thought. So when you're talking about, for example, in the Ten Commandments, you're talking about you have to love others. Actually, the, the Ten Commandments doesn't say that. What, what's the... Okay, What's the, in Spanish we say, that was, that was, tu prójimo, that was, that was the, so say it in Spanish again, I'm sorry, go ahead, Diana, it's I okay. like Spanish, I need to get better at it, go ahead. 
Ama a tu prójimo como a ti mismo. Okay, what is that translated into English? What does that mean? It's like love the other like you love yourself. That's right. Now see, I agree. Is that a commandment? Yeah, so, so, so I think when... When, when I think this is might be what you're thinking of when you when you're talking about the Ten Commandments because there is no the Ten Commandments actually don't even say they say love your God with all your heart all your soul and all your mind I think that's I'm pretty sure that's the only one of the Ten Commandments that has the word love in it okay and and there's a, there's a big difference between that and what Jesus said to his disciples in the New Covenant when he said a new law I give you love one another and he had been uh, okay yeah the pharisees he had all these people coming at him you know he's being attacked like they're trying to reason they're trying to trap him with reason and logic that the way they're used to doing it and they're doing it with scripture that he inspired through people that are made in his image it's kind of interesting and, yeah. then, uh, <laughs> and then from there he's saying love one another a new commandment I give you, love one another. And he's saying, even your enemies. When it comes to, when it comes to, uh, Jesus is walking through a Samaritan town and the Samaritans didn't want Jews going through it. So they didn't, they gave him a hard time. And John, John, the disciple, the apostle said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven like Elijah did? and burn these bad Samaritans up for not letting us walk through their city. That's basically what was going on. And Jesus said, you do not know what spirit you are of. In other words, revenge is not for you to take. So when I, when I hear, when I, when I definitely believe that we need to forgive ourselves for sure. And when it comes to forgiveness, that's that's when I hear that I'm like that's key that's critical because everybody needs to be forgiven and if we don't want to hold on to stuff that we shouldn't hold on to we really need to forgive others hmm. no that root of bitterness that that hurt that they gave us wants to grow and take up more space inside of us inside of our minds and our lives so I can see you and, and I see you smiling and it's something's resonating. And uh, that part is critical. So what, oh, do you, what do you think? Yeah, because why I explained this, which maybe, yeah, it's exactly what you said. In Spanish, we, we know it a little bit different. And as I said before, I, I don't really study the Bible as much. So what, when you see another individual, you're not seeing that individual. You're not seeing the invisible one because you cannot see the invisible one, which is life, which is God. You're seeing what you think about others and what you think about yourself, actually. I agree. So, you, yeah, perception. so you're never, ever seeing another individual. You're seeing what you think about that individual. But to take that responsibility, I know because in my own practice is very hard sometimes and I have to change this thought yeah, right yeah, but it, this is how to, I'm yeah. this is how I'm living it right now so now once you acknowledge that you're never seeing another individual and you're talking about justice life is always just uh how do you say justa uh it's always 
justa en español, no sé. It's know. justice, <laughs> but how do, you, how do you say justice? it? Are you saying justice? Yeah, that life is always just. Justicia, justicia, justice, justicia. Ajá, que la vida siempre es justa. Life like justice. Life is justice. Yes, this is what I'm trying to say. Like there cannot be something that is unfair because when you know how life works is I think this, if you would have separate the elements of life, like if it was numerals in mathematics, you would say there's the, the mind, there's the thought, and then there's the conviction or the understanding. And these are always working together, yeah. always. This is how life expresses itself. So you think something, sorry, so there's the, the mind, and then you think, which is the activity of God, And then you're convinced, which is that feeling of conviction of certainty, the faith, belief. right? The belief. Uh, I wouldn't call it belief, no. just for just for pure practical like means. When you say conviction, let me let me let me. What do you mean? Like, because a lot of some people use conviction differently than it's defined. So when you're saying conviction, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I would say yeah. Okay, so you, you said it right, believe, but with V-E, not belief as a belief. Believe. Yes, what you believe, yeah, what you believe, okay, gotcha. Right? Yeah, what you completely believe, what, what you have your certainty, um, yeah, like the complete certainty that we were talking about. Yeah, I'm okay, fine. That's yep. conviction for me. So, okay, so when you know that if you change, okay, so when you know that, your thoughts are being expressed constantly. So for example, we all uh, think we might get harmed by another individual. So guess what? We sometimes get harmed by other individuals because that's a general belief. But that is actually a belief with an F because it can be destroyed. That's not a truth. So. If we go and we know, so the thing about that belief is that as much as it is destroyed, the goodness or the light will come into your life and then you will be like flourishing again and you will be forgiving and you will be happy again, right? That's why it is a belief and it's not real because it can be destroyed. But if you are completely in love, building that love continuously and just knowing that you are life, that you're eternal, that you're infinite, that you're good, that you, you acknowledge all these truths, that you can forgive, that you're free to think whatever you want to think and express whatever you want to express, that when you're in there, you cannot be affected by anything. Therefore, all the people or all the individuals around you will feel that sense of yours. That's what happens with, I don't know, like more elevated kind of like individuals. When you're around Uh, these gurus or these teachers because they have built their state of mind you can feel that love you know and of course that's a natural law like people or even evil like there's this story that has nothing to do with eschatology I don't want to confuse it but it's a very beautiful example right about forgiveness there was this lama that was uh, kept in jail tortured for 20 years And he went out and he was interviewed. And he, uh, this uh, individual asked him, like, did you have any fear at any time? And he was like, yes, 
I, I feared. And he was like, what did you fear? I feared losing compassion for the individuals that were torturing me. And for me, that means he knew these other individuals had the capacity of loving and he never lost that certainty, but he was afraid of losing it because, you know, it's hard when, when you feel hurt, hurt by other individual and you have to keep your mind knowing and yeah, acknowledging the truth about them, that they are God and they can act different. They can love you instead of hurt you. And you are the only one empowered there that can actually change that situation. And you're they cannot do it. You are the one. I agree. I mean, so here's the thing. The funny thing is that your flesh, your own body and your own thoughts will say, get even. They, you need to get even. They need to be paid back, right? That's revenge, right? That's so, revenge. Exactly. And that's why it's and so important to forgive, to know that you are the one thinking and conceiving that experience and you are the only one that can actually change it. And so now here's, a, here's one thing that, that, uh, that I find kind of interesting and disappointing because it bleeds into kids entertainment as well. Mm. Tons of movies are just about revenge. Mm. Stories usually revolve around love or revenge or lust, one of the three, right? And these movies and these programs come out and it is all about getting even with the bad guy. Ding, 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 ding. But just shoot them up. Lego cartoons, all these Marvel superheroes. It's like, go hurt people yourselves to get even. That's the message that's coming across. Go hurt people yourselves to get even. And that's where I'm like, it is so refreshing to hear someone say otherwise, Diana. It is so good because it's all over the place. It's it's. It's you know what? Crazy, yeah. I think one of the amazing things that I, and that's why I like so much reasoning about truth is because when, when we acknowledge these that we are feeling and seeing and whatever is an illusion, you know, that it can be changed, that it's not real, that the only real thing is what we actually are and we cannot see that, but we are building up that then we know that the TV and the radio and all these like massive like entertainment that we're having and even marketing, you know, mm -hmm. this is like marketing right. is like the new God. You can't get away from it. If they put it in your eyes and your ears, like, but like, the thing, like, this is the thing, Miguel, we can actually get away from it and not just that, but use it to good towards good. Because what I do with my son, with Yanko is reason with him. And I'm like, hey, love, it's, it's very simple to actually teach him like, hey, oh, he got in trouble, right? Like he wanted revenge and he got in trouble, right? So this <laughs> is reason, you know? And then suddenly- and you know said, Kids mirror it quickly. Yes. You can see it so quickly in them. Yes. That's where it's like, you don't want that to take root. But you know, and, and that's where it's like, it's nice to hear parents saying, it's nice to meet parents like you, Diane. It's nice to meet parents like you. <laughs> you know, it is. It's true. Yes. And, and it's, well, for me, yeah, it's very good to have this knowledge because it actually helps me, you know, all of these, for example, this is a belief with F, 
right? And it is like, I, w- the moment I stepped out of believing that the TV had any power over my kid or me, because I am the one power and I am free to decide whatever I want to think, uh, then I'm, I'm just like free. You know, I am completely living that freedom, which sometimes I might perceive as painful because sometimes, for example, it's hard. I don't know, for example, with the father of my son that I have so much resentment and yeah, hate, right? Like when you you feel hurt, you're, you're feeling like, oh no, like just the opposite of love. You're not, you're, you're feeling rejected. You're feeling, but then I know that I am the one conceiving that experience as that. And I am the, the one power that can change that. And then I am like, okay, I am God. I am life. I am good. I am love. And then I just keep repeating that with complete certainty as, it, if, as if it was truth. And then that's when everything starts flowing naturally. It's not magic. And that's, I think that was one of the mistakes of the alchemists because they kept this as mysticism, which means secrets. And it's not a secret, it's actually truth. It's actually very honest and very, you know, like clear. It's very logic. It's like the right reason, right? Like the correct reason. It's not inverted as human beings have the reason like kind of inverted. Yeah, so, so and that, that's interesting to me. When you said they wanted to keep things secret and mystical, in other words, they wanted to consolidate their, the, the knowledge and authority, right? And that, that's usually what it boils down to. And, and mm-hmm. church denominations do it too. Christian church denominations do it too. Denominations of all worldviews all do it. Mm-hmm. And they, they all do because they're people and they're flawed and they're fallen. But we're not supposed to be looking to them. We're supposed to be looking to the person or the entity that they are representing. So with, uh, with Christ and Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote this, this book called The Abolition of Man, and there's something, he calls it the Tao, and it's interesting because what he's saying is that around the world, the concept of good and evil exists in every culture. It's like there, there is, there's this back and forth, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this, this is one paragraph, it's short, it's not long, but I want to ask you what you think about this. So he says, the Chinese also speak of a great thing, the greatest thing called the Tao, T-A-O. It is a reality beyond all predicates, the abyss that was before the creator himself. That was in Genesis, he's saying, in Genesis said, the earth was a dark void covered with water. So that's because C.S. Lewis was an atheist who became a Christian. And he says, "It it is nature, it is the way, the road. It is the way in which the universe goes on, the way in which things everlastingly emerge, stilly and tranquilly, tranquilly <laughs> into space and time. It is also the way in which every man should tread in imitation of that cosmic and supercosmic progression. You word I you heard you say earlier, progress. Conforming all activities to that great exemplar. So that's kind of interesting because what he did is, is the point of his writing that book was that when somebody, when something unjust happens to somebody and they say, hey, you know, you shouldn't have done that or hey, you ought to have done that instead. 
we do this to each other all the time. There's you should have, you ought to have. And it's, it's a universal thing throughout all of creation. Mm -hmm. so yes. I, I think it's very interesting that this uh, paragraph that you read is talking about uh, that void of darkness in the beginning. That's exactly how it's described in Genesis, yeah. Yes, which I actually feel it's just that representation of our own ignorance. But as I told you before, I've discovered and or I've unfold mm -hmm. uh, the truth that there it's impossible for consciousness not to be there because that void wouldn't even exist if there was no consciousness conceiving it. So I I see this as the awakening of the reason, right? When 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 we start like, oh, shaking, like, oh, we're, this is me, wow. And then, yeah, of course we go through maybe pain or all these processes that alchemy were, was talking about the evaporation of the Kali's, you know, the, the, the metals of the, the evaporation of the metals. And then the last metal, like normally the metals that uh, evaporate first are the most heavy, like mercury, like all of this, right? And then the last one is gold. The, the, the poo of the, of the alchemy is the gold, right? And this is how knowledge and unfoldment goes, right? Like we are, we keep like, I don't know, like evaporating all this um, ignorance that we have, as you just said before, like there's all these uh, lineages of, I don't know, like let's say dark people, which it's just ignorant people. It's just a people that's afraid of losing power, but they don't know that power cannot be lost, that they are the only and the one power and that it's not more them than others. That, so eventually like we shouldn't ever be afraid of any individual that says he has the power because he's just showing us the way and and if he's showing us a mistaken way he will have it back this is what we were talking about the karma karma doesn't really exist as i thought in ibiza and as we call it in ibiza instant karma this is just a game because actually we're always expressing what we think and are convinced of so this is our karma we will just have like either we <laughs> we are aligned to god or the truths of of god and we keep being like humble in the way we allow life to happen. We allow, we allow life to show itself. This is how I see it. Like I, I always have to remember uh, to allow myself to learn the good about life because we've been raised in evil mind, you know, in a mistaken mind. And it's not as like, it sounds like super creepy or whatever. No, it's just, as you said, uh, we commit mistakes or we get into trouble just to solve it, just to try our abilities, just to get better, just to love more, to love more unconditionally, to, to, to build a better sense of love. And uh, I think that's why forgiveness is so important because forgiveness is the bridge that we use to pass to that other, how can I say it, side of, of our minds, right? The, the, the good side of, of life, the one that we all desire. Well, here's the funny thing, Diane, is that I know you say you didn't study scripture that much, but again, there's a major parallel to what you're saying. And it's, it's um, it was uh, 
when you said forgiveness, you were talking about um, intrinsic value in people. And you're talking about this person who is doing this to you. You're, you're using the person of the, uh, was it a, a Buddhist monk or a Dalai Lama? Yeah. Okay. So he was saying, I was, a, I was a feared that I would lose compassion for the people who were abusing me. Mm-hmm. And in the Judeo-Christian scripture, the reason for that would be because we're all made in God's image. Therefore, each and every one of us has intrinsic value. In other words, what you're saying, like when you say that this, when you look at this person, you say, you know, I, I'm... I'm pissed off at this person. <laughs> I'm really mad. But you know what? I need to remember. You need to re- we need to remind ourselves that people have intrinsic value. And not everybody believes that. And you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm talking about Christians and, and whoever else believes it, that intrinsic value is there. Those reasons may vary, but, but uh, that was a parallel that I, that I definitely picked up on. When you're talking about forgiveness and and everything you you were speaking of it i didn't hear you say intrinsic but i could tell that that was what you're saying is that people there there, there is value and there's intrinsic value in people yes and not just that you know the forgiveness is for this so because we're always expressing our thoughts guess what if you're an activist let let's say and you're super angry because People is hurting the earth and we're killing earth. And, and then you go to these like manifestation. I don't know how you call it in English, right? And you go, they're pissed with all these emotions and all this vibration. Guess what you're going to attract? You're just going to attract either police torturing you or the government. As I had my own experience, right? In the end, we like there was this guy trying to kill us. And because we were vibrating in all this fear, in all this kind of anger, in all these discordance, you know, which eventually becomes also diseases. They express themselves as disease because it's wrong thoughts. It's these uh, uh, sick thoughts. This so, is, you know, is. when you're there and you have the knowledge, you know, you are, exp- you are the one. Le- I'm going to say it in this way creating that experience for yourself i understand what you're saying i get it how we think about a thing how we and you know what there's something how we think about it yes there's something more relevant here that when we take that responsibility because there's minds that of course are not as educated the more knowledge you have the more responsibility you have and that's why for the people that's in let's say the power right now and they are not acting correctly they are paying it bad they're not having a good time and this i can sign a paper telling you this because when you have this knowledge you have to use this wisdom yes or yes there is no option and what that means is the people that doesn't have so much knowledge their their minds are let's say more weak i'm just gonna say it in this way Okay. So it's like if they were following your will. So if you have knowledge and you're forged and you're, you know, you know where you have to walk, the minds around you, if they have no knowledge 
and you're thinking wrong, they will just catch your sense, let's say a uh, robber, right? They will just obey your desire, your wrong desire, and they will rob you. But it was you, like actually, like, let's say like, it's like you're robbing from yourself and then you're just expressing it through this other individual. And then you're pointing the finger to that individual, <laughs> right? I that mean, is, sorry for the word, that's fucking horrible because that's the way we human beings act. We have no responsibility about life. We have so much power. We just don't want to acknowledge it. We just don't want to take it. And I understand because it's hard because sometimes as we talked before about the products, we feel so satisfied for a moment with a mobile phone. So what would we do without the mobile phone, right? What would we do without that boyfriend or girlfriend that we think we love so much? And we just don't want to let go of these things because that's the way we have learned to have certainty, to have, you know, like to have something. We don't know we already have everything. So in order for us to actually know and use this knowledge, we have to let go everything that we thought we wanted and start wanting life. That's cool, Diana. That's a good segue into this next one because we're talking about leaders of all different kinds, whether they're political, government, or organizational leaders. And my next question for you is, the country of Mexico is, I'm seeing headlines about cannabis being marijuana. That's weird to me. It used to be marijuana when it was illegal. And now that it's coming out and it wants to be legal, people are calling it cannabis. And I'm just, I'm even seeing marijuana spelled with an H instead of a J. And I'm like, come on, man, that stuff's marijuana. So, <laughs> <laughs> I know I find it funny. Love it. Yes. I do. I find it funny. Um, I noticed the same some years ago. Mexico's legalizing marijuana. What's it like for you living in Mexico City? What's what's how what's 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 it like to live in there when all this stuff going on, right? Yes. Well, this has but been people like there's there's some organizations that do data collection, and some organizations are saying Mexico is gonna be a huge market. So What's it like living there? I mean, like in the United States, I can tell you, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. You got, it's the stigma still there and still going on. You got, you got political stuff and athletic and entertainment stuff going on, mixture, all of it. What's it like living in there? Mexico City. El Ciudad de Mexico. Mexico City is amazing. Of course, as you just described it, there's everything that here. I think, um, it is a, a place with a lot of movement in a good way. Like there has been happening a great awakening since a long time ago for several reasons and through different like, like traditions and cultures. And I don't know, like, so it definitely, yeah, of course, for growing uh, marijuana or cannabis, because even, I don't know, hemp or whatever, there might be a lot of places where it's really easy to grow. Easy in the way uh, the climate might allow it uh, in a nice way, right? But um, of course, it's something that has been taken, again, mistakenly as a as a 
power uh, tool, let's say. And of course, you know how, because now even there is a Netflix series talking about the narcos, you know, and all oh, of it. both seasons. I've watched both seasons. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, and, and, and really, like, we all in Mexico know about this. And let's say that I, I try not to, to get into the politics of it. I was just wondering what Because it's very like. complicated. Yeah. And we never know what's really going on behind scenes and everything. But of course, there's a lot of politics uh, messed in the legalization of all of these. So that, as I see it, is a good thing, as I see everything, right? Everything is good. So I'm just taking the good is side it, of it. Or is it good that you, or is it good? Do you see it as good or you just choose not to be bothered by it? You know, you, you'd recognize it and you're like, yeah, that's just political bureaucratic back and forth. It happens with every subject most of the time, not all of them, but most of them. And it's happening with this one too. I'm not going to let it bother me. Is that is that it or is it? It's, it's just pure convenience. So if I give one thought or one mistaken thought to politics, I'm giving my power to politics, let's say. So what happens if you let, what happens if you let one of those thoughts slip, Diana? What I, I, because of my mental habits, I yeah. give a lot of those thoughts to several different things. Okay. Not just politics, right? Like You're not pretending that those thoughts don't ever slip. You're yeah, saying, I just I just try to remember every time I make a mistake, it's an opportunity to remember truth. Amen. I and like the that. truth Amen. is Amen. and the truth is that if we don't let's say believe in politics or that politics can harm us, we are keeping that moment as a sacred moment and in this instant i am attracting goodness towards my life so as i see the results the more you remember about truth the less you want to remember about mistakes it's natural <laughs> it's, just, it's just like why would i why would i want to talk bad about something if i just can have like full abundance you know it's like <laughs> Diana, i gotta tell you there's another there's another scriptural parallel there in, I believe it's in Hebrews where he says, the writer of Hebrews, which people debate, I don't care who wrote it, doesn't matter. I love my Hebrew. Point, my point is, is that uh, he said that our hearts have been sprinkled from an evil conscience. In other words, our human hearts wanted to think about evil stuff all the time. And he's saying, that's a choice. We don't have to choose that. Yes. Pretty cool. And And we've been... And it was pretty cool. Um, so, okay. So I don't want to talk about political side. So, yes. That. But the, the good thing is, yeah. you know what? I just went to California. Yeah. And this is the thing. I keep attracting beautiful things towards my life. So uh, I'm not a great smoker. I smoke a spliff sometimes. I don't like smoking uh, marijuana. I just like it because I still believe that it gives me like, a, like I get very like sleepy and all of this. Yeah. Yeah. But I love hashish, right? And it actually helped me straighten a lot your podcast because when I heard your first episode of this podcast, I was having a lot of trouble like thinking about how I give the power to, to marijuana. And I recommend for whoever's listening to this interview, like to hear the first podcast of 
the Christianity and Cannabis podcast because thank you, Diane. I appreciate. Yeah, it. it's really amazing how how you you talked about this. Like you are the one giving the 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 power to this plant. You are the one acknowledging about this, and it just represents this ability of God that we inherently have. And as much as we keep unfolding, of course, I don't see myself smoking all my life. I don't think I'm going to do it. I just try not to judge it because now I enjoy it. It's like taking a glass of wine or I don't know, like being a moment in the beach, resting in the afternoon after working all day long. You know, it's just the same kind of feeling of like, okay, now I'm going to rest for a little bit after a whole day of work. And I'm just, you know, yeah. But anyways, I attracted this uh, friend in in the airplane. So he told me... On your way to California. On my way to California. And I knew, because I even canceled my first flight, I was not sure of going there. And then I took this, this next flight like three days after. And he was sitting just beside me and we started talking. I never talked to people in the plane. And we started talking. I was like, what, what do you do? Oh, I have one of the 10 licenses in Mexico now. So we're going to start growing uh, oh, legally no in Mexico. Really? Yes. So what really. were, he said one of 10 licenses. One of 10. So this is the situation. Yeah. Only so 10 have been. Now there has only 10. Uh, there has, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. I think it's a little bit restricted right now. It's like they're talking about it as if it was already like legal, but this has been on like going on for, for some years now and everybody's waiting for the moment and it's opening slowly. Like there's people already growing in their own gardens, but you know, little, and then there's friends that are preparing the facilities to grow and they're learning. There's even a university here in Mexico teaching how to grow cannabis already there's a lot of people from california teaching uh also uh how to grow proper cannabis um and i think for example cbd last year cbd started coming into mexico but it's mostly of course foreign companies and they are starting to do all this networking and selling these products like massively which um yeah, I feel, of course, there's a lot of income there. Um, but I see because it's also being legal, legalized in a lot of different parts of Europe. And, you know, like in several countries, it's happening right now. So I don't think it's going to be like, you know, when the, the cannabis, um, how do you call it? Like the gold rush and the cannabis rush in California happened. I don't think it's going to be the same. It's just like a normal like business now, you know, and if you want to smoke, you grow yourself. And it's really beautiful to, to be in touch with the baby plants because they're so beautiful. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I live in Florida. I can't grow them. It's illegal for me to grow them. Unfortunately. Really? really? I didn't know that. Only, only people who can grow marijuana in the sunshine state are mass producers. Not wow, you, you can come visit David yeah. and Nels in, in Nevada City. That's That's <laughs> there is like medical, organic. It's very natural. Every family has, they're allowed it to have like 16 plants per family, I think. Man, right now, right now, 
four seems to be the number that I'm hearing from states in the United States. Like, like I think four. I don't really know the law, but I think in Mexico now four are allowed it to. Okay. Yeah. I even went to these markets the other day. I couldn't believe it. And there was these people selling the baby marijuana plants in the market. <laughs> I was like, this is Mexico. I have to take a picture that of this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's how it's happening here. I think a lot of people also are still afraid of narcos uh, because this is crazy and that they're making sure they don't get in trouble, I guess, because this is a real thing in a lot of places, not a real thing. This is a, an incorrect way of saying it. Uh, but this is something that's currently happening, uh, that all the narcos are asking for money in several towns uh, of, you have, if you have a, any business, like whatever business, you have to pay them. They call it like a right of... Extortion, basically, it's extortion. Yeah. They're basically saying... And they're, they're coming to you and they say like, we will take care of you, but you have to uh, pay money. Yeah. And then I was, for example, asking one of my best friends, she lives in, in Culiacán, which is one of the main uh, towns or cities uh, where the narcos are. And she was, you know, I never imagined this is the most secure place I've ever lived in. Because as this is their town, they just take care of it as if it was, you know, like a palace, like nothing happens here ever. And I was like, really? I couldn't believe it. Huh. And I guess for us living in Mexico City, we are very uh, like separated of that also because they don't touch the big cities. They, I guess they have like these agreements where they, don't, they just don't come into the city. So we don't live these kind of experiences here. But in the Caribbean, for example, in Tulum and all of these, like it is now a very common thing. Um, there's a lot of places where you get to see this and people closing their businesses. They're just like, no, this is not worth it. I just don't even want to be in touch with them. I will just dedicate my life to other things. It's yeah. So it's kind of delicate, but again, it's that responsibility of what we are attracting towards our life. If we're believing the news, if we are just judging all day long, it all comes to the spirit, Miguel. It all, all comes to filtered the through there. It's all got to be filtered through there. <laughs> yes, it all has to be filtered through there. And it might not be like the most uh, friendly way of doing it, maybe in, in the beginning, as I said, but ultimately it's the one power. And the more we acknowledge that, the more we will have this consciousness and we will be able to actually transcend to this higher state of mind and uh, let's see what goes on there. I don't think we will be smoking cannabis for, <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> I'm, that's cool too. I, I, I enjoy it. It does help me. I don't think it's a silver bullet. No, everything, everything on this earth has a side effect, but uh, I think it's uh, a pretty cool natural plant. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> so beautiful. Well, Diana, thank you very much for your time. I really enjoyed it. 
Oh, thank you. Can do a part two because I know we touched on a lot of subjects, and it'd be cool to 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 met out some of these other topics with you sometime in the future. And thank you, Diana. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Miguel. I appreciate. Absolutely. Sorry if I talk too much. For you and your family. (laughs) Thank you very much, Diana. God bless. Have a great night. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast signing off. Love you all. Take care.